today I want to speak about the topic of friendship. Friendship, or if you want to call it relationship, is fine as well. But I want to focus on friendship. Um, in life, we come across many people that we tend to grow fond of or grow close to. And we consider these people our friends. The question sometimes I ask myself is how do people choose their friends? Or do you actually choose your friends? Or did your friends choose you? A lot of times we have a lot of people around us in our circles. We call them friends. But do you even understand what it means to really be a friend? Sometimes you may know someone that is not your friend. I've had people that I thought were my friends, but they ended up telling me they were not my friends. <laughs> so you can think someone is your friend, but they're not. So do you really understand what friendship is? How do you really choose your friends? So, and even yourself, do you consider yourself a friend or a good friend? So I want to quickly go to the book of Proverbs chapter 18. Uh, and we'll begin from the verse 24. I'll just read verse 24. I'm reading from the King James Version. I may edit some of the words in my in, in a simple way. So for those who don't like the King James, so you understand it a bit better. But I'll begin reading from the verse 24. Proverbs chapter 18. It reads, A man that has friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I repeat, it says, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Now, the word friendly, you know, in English, a lot of times, it means kind. When we use, when we see someone and they do a certain thing or they act a certain way, we say, oh, she's friendly, she's friendly. We usually associate the word friendly with kind, but the word friendly also has other meanings that sometimes we don't really consider. The word friendly can also mean uh, adaptable or actually being of no threat. But, you know, I, I was kind of curious about what this scripture meant. So I did a little bit of digging and went and tried to go into the original language that it was written. And I don't want to bore you with the Hebrew. But I'll just say the word, the word for friendly in this particular scripture is raw, raw, is R-A-W-A-H. And I was surprised to find out what it actually meant. The word friendly in this scripture actually means uh, having low moral standards or good for nothing or good for nothing. And showing no opposition means you're a threat to nobody. So I was meditating on this and I read it again. It said, Amanda has friends, must show himself friendly. And I replaced it with the actual, you know, transliteration of what it meant. And it says, Amanda has friends, must show himself of low standard. Amanda has many friends. Let me emphasize, Amanda has many friends. Or Amanda has friends, plural, must show himself of no standards. It means he's a threat to nobody. And this kind of shocked me a little bit because in our society today, I remember growing up in high school, people were considered popular because either people knew them, regarded them, or they had many friends. Or And, and many times we grew up with this kind of pressure, feeling like we need people to like us or to approve of us in a particular way. So when I read this particular scripture, it went against everything that I initially thought. I thought that, wait a second, I thought it was good to have a lot of friends. I thought, I thought it was good to, to have people around me who I considered friends, but the Bible is saying the man that has many friends is actually a man who doesn't have very high standards. And his moral compass is probably low. And he shows no threat to anybody. That means you accommodate anything around you. And I want us to really consider this for a moment. Because the next part says, and there is a friend, a friend. So he went from the plural of friends with an S to saying a friend, which is singular. He says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. The reason I'm bringing this up is because I realized that in my experience and also just, you know, through studying the word, you realize that if you really, really are going to go very far and be a person who makes an impact on many people's lives, 
you're probably not going to actually have that many friends in life. I remember in high school, the smart kids that used to do their homework and actually do the right things didn't have many friends. <laughs> I noticed the people who, the only time we were their friends was when we wanted to copy their homework or something. And I realized that, wait a second, if you're doing the right thing, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, or if you're exhibiting the right character, a lot of times it's not going to be easy for you to have a lot of friends. And I've realized that most people who make a difference in life don't tend to be intermingled with the crowd. So a man that has many friends or friends must show himself friendly. Now, we're in a social media age. Everybody wants followers. Everybody wants everyone to, to kind of acknowledge them. And there's nothing wrong with people acknowledging. There's nothing wrong with people wanting to follow you. But the question is, what are you representing that they should follow? Why should anyone really follow you? Why should anyone want to be your friend? Why should anyone want to really draw close to you? What are you bringing out of yourself that they can benefit from? So a friend, you, there's many friends you can have, but there's a, a friend that sticks closer to than a brother. Now, this scripture to me, when I read it through this understanding, something came to my mind. I realized that it's not necessary to have a lot of people around you, number one. And number two, I realized that if you have certain standards set for yourself, even though your standards may not accommodate everyone. For example, I believe that we all are doing our best to try to live for Jesus Christ the best way we can. You know, when you live for Jesus Christ, there are people who may not necessarily believe everything you believe. And sometimes you may be mocked. You may be criticized. Some people will look at you funny. You know, and some people will avoid you because they know that, Oh, that they may think of you as that, oh, that Christian girl, that holy girl, you, you can't do certain things around her. Or or that guy, you, you can't say you can't say certain things around him because you know his belief system is he's a Christian. You can't be on you, we have to watch out when he comes around because of your belief system. And I realize that that is not necessarily a bad thing. People may avoid you, but if they're avoiding you for the right reasons, it's actually a good thing. What I mean is this. When you have many people around you and you're not and 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 nobody is convicted to change their lifestyle. If you have plenty of people in your life that you call friends, but nobody feels the need to change when they deal with you, it is probably because you're not really as good a friend as you think. Or if, I'm sorry to say, but you may not be as good of a person as you may tell yourself sometimes. Because I believe as believers who follow Christ, our lifestyle will speak to people. And when people begin to look at our lifestyle and the way we conduct ourselves, it, it, really, it really brings something into their heart for them to even question themselves. So when somebody comes around you and they don't feel any need to change their lifestyle or they don't feel any conviction about what they do and it, they feel that any bad thing they feel like doing, they can feel comfortable doing it around you, is usually a sign that maybe you're not shining bright enough for them to see the light of Jesus. But, you know, on the other side of this, one thing I realized as well is that when you set certain standards for yourself, that can also determine the quality of friends that come into your life. Every individual here has certain people that they, even though you may consider uh, yourself to have many friends, you may have someone you call your best friend. Now, your best friend is usually the person that relates to you the best or seems to have a certain connection with you that maybe other people don't have. When you have a certain set standard for yourself in the way you carry yourself and the, and, and the things you choose to do, what you you believe the way you want to live your life it attracts specific type of people the type of friends you have are usually a reflection of yourself if you have people who are always lying and they feel comfortable lying around you all the time even though they know that you know they are lying then it's usually a reflection of what you have been showing 
if you have people around you who gossip a lot, if most of your friends, all they do is talk about other people and they feel comfortable doing it around you, it's a sign of what you allow. You have shown yourself to be of someone who's not threatening to that type of behavior. Because you don't exhibit something different. You don't correct them. Now, the quality of your friends is determined by your character. Now, I realize that the smart kids in school who did all their homework, and at least in my school, most of them, they used to be together. They used to spend time together working on their homework. They supported each other in what they wanted to accomplish. So I want you to consider this for a minute as we're going into this study, that who you, the people around you really can define who you are. So we're gonna look at a few scriptures in a minute that's going to show us how our lifestyle can be shown and revealed in the kind of people that are around us. In the same book of Proverbs chapter 18, let's go backwards a little bit to the verse 9. If you go to the verse 9, it says something quite interesting. It says, He also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. In other words, a man that's not serious about the things he does is usually a brother, somebody who wastes a lot of resource, wastes a lot of time, wastes a lot of energy, basically very unproductive. Now, the Bible is saying the man who is not really serious about what he does, most likely the closest person to him is also somebody who wastes a lot of time, energy, strength, money, so many things. So this is a sign that your character can reflect the kind of people that come around you, the kind of people that link themselves to you. So you have to kind of be conscious of how you are because a lot of our problems, we like to blame other people, but some of our problems will be prevented if maybe we were not in a particular way or they didn't act in a certain way. Amen. Let's quickly go to the, ne uh, the next uh, Proverbs chapter 27. Let's look at that scripture. I'll show you something there. Proverbs chapter 27. And we can begin in the verse 17. And if you have any question or concern, you can just give me the thumbs up sign. And uh, afterwards, I'll try to, to try. I'll note it and try to answer your question or concern for you. Proverbs chapter 27, I'll start in verse 17. It says, iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Verse 18, whoso keeps a fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. So he that waits on his master shall be honored. Verse 19, as in water, face answers to face so the heart of a man to man this scripture is showing us that our nature our character has the ability to bring out things in other people if i'm a very angry person if i'm somebody who's always mad always bitter always upset and i have friends around me, there's a high possibility that pretty soon that bitterness and anger that I exhibit or show will start to show in the people around me. Haven't you noticed that when you get close to somebody, you start picking up some of their, their behaviors, you start talking like them. Sometimes you take certain statements they make, sometimes even their mannerisms, the way they move. You start finding things in common and you start sharing certain things. They are actually enhancing and amplifying a certain character that is in you with their interaction so iron sharpens iron when iron is being sharpened is being made to be able to cut more effective or to pierce more effective so when two irons come together whatever the iron is it becomes more tangible it becomes more effective it becomes more noticeable that means any character that is in you will be if it has the capacity to bring out something in your friend that maybe they didn't even know they had. You notice that there's a certain way you act when you get around certain people. 
There's some friends that you act more goofy with. Why is that? Why aren't you like that with everybody? Because there's something in them that's bringing out that goofy nature in you. Some people, maybe they're not very, uh, maybe they, they're not very violent at all. But when they get around certain people, they always feel the need to kind of prove that they're also tough. You know, there are a lot of scenarios we can bring into this, but the truth and the reality of it is that any person that is close to you that you call your friend is most likely bringing a character out of you or you are putting, bringing something out of them. And you have to make sure that whatever it is is going to work for the benefit of the two of them. Two angry people who are friends are not going to lead anybody in. Because even if your friend was to advise you, he will advise you from his character, which is anger. So if somebody, somebody, let's say a scenario as like somebody, maybe you went out and somebody maybe insulted you in the street one day and you call your friend who has anger management issues and tell them about the situation. Most likely they're going to tell you, don't let that person get away. You better go and deal with that person. Why? They're speaking from their own character. And sometimes they motivate us to do certain things that are not even in us initially. Some of you, you're not violent people, but when you, when everybody around you is telling you, you better do this, you better do that, you start feeling pressured and, 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 and a weight comes on you to feel like you have to do something based on what other people around you are saying. If all your friends are saying you're acting foolish by letting that person get away with it, there's something that begins to enter into you. And you feel like, no, I have to do something about it. Just to make yourself, in a way, uh, okay in the sight of your friends. So iron sharpens iron. In the same way, uh, in the same way, the countenance of a man means basically the personality of a man is polished by another man. Your personality is being polished by someone. That's why we come on this particular Zoom call. I'm sure somebody like Kevin, he's trying to take his time to polish with the good things that he has, so that you guys can pick up from it and also eventually polish him back if possible, if he will allow you. So as we relate to one another in fellowship, we are not just have, we're just not appearing. We're taking things from each other. We're drawing things from each other. So the people in your life, you have to be very conscious about who they are. The kind of people you call friends. In my experience in life, I've learned that sometimes it's better to be by yourself rather than have people who are not serious. When you have people around you who are not serious about life, they likely can kill your own motivation. Like we just read in the book of Proverbs 18, a slothful man that about his work is the brother to somebody who's called a waster. Imagine God can call somebody's nickname waster. I wouldn't want God to call me a waster. But that means if you have people around you who are wasters, it's a sign that you yourself, you're probably not as diligent as you should be about life, certain things. Let's look quickly at the book of uh, the same book, Proverbs chapter 27, but let's go to the verse 19. Let's, let's jump. Sorry, actually, uh, let's go to back. Let's go back a couple verses. Let's go to verse 6. Let's go to verse 6. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful some of you heard the word kiss and i saw your eyes get wide open yes kisses in the bible uh, many things in the bible if you read you be shocked anyway faithful are the wounds of a friend but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful now what this verse means is that a faithful friend is willing to hurt you for your own good. What I mean is that a true friend will speak the truth even when it hurts. You know, we are in a society today where we don't want anybody to judge us. We don't want anyone to correct us. We want to do what we feel. That's what the world is trying to pump into our heads. But the truth of the matter is that most of us, most people don't even know what they're supposed to be in life, who they really are. So 
the moment you try to correct them, it's easy for them to take offense to it. It's easy for me to be hurt if you don't agree with maybe a certain uh, lifestyle that may contradict what you like or what you think is right. It's easy for me to take an offense. But the Bible is saying, if I'm truly your friend, I should be willing to speak the truth to you, even if it will hurt you. You know, a lot of us, because of maybe how we were brought up or maybe experiences in life, we always want to be on good terms with everybody. We want everyone to like us. We want everyone to appreciate us. We don't want a problem with everybody. But, you know, a lot, and that a lot of times puts us in a position that we are even afraid for us to act outside of what is socially acceptable. We don't want our friends to look at us funny because we're not doing with them. You know, and, and these things put us in an awkward position at times because even in your heart, there are many things that you would probably not do if it wasn't for friends around. There are many decisions you may even make that is not even your own choice. But just for the sake of appeasing your friends, trying to satisfy their perspective about you, you choose to do something that, honestly, you wouldn't even really do on a normal day. So as a person who, you have to be conscious that maybe in life, you have to be more willing to have people around you who are willing to tell you the truth even when it hurts. Because somebody who really tells you the truth about yourself is most likely the best person that you should have as a friend. And you know, this is sometimes the reason why we don't always get along with our parents, because they tell us the truth. They don't even consider the situation or emotional state or mental state. They just speak it as it is. But you know, a parent that loves you will always correct you. A friend that loves you will always tell you the truth and guide you to do the right things. If you have a friend that never tells you anything that was going to benefit you to become a better person. That person is not a friend, not a true friend, and not a good friend. He's a friendly friend. What I mean is a useless friend. He's not going to help you get anywhere in life. So you have to be able to start, take a couple steps back and analyze the kind of people that I have around me. What do they talk about the most? What do they spend their time chatting about what do they gossip about what are their values because those things will define you you may think you're your own man but in reality you'll find that at some point in life you act in a way just to appease the people in your environment the people that are close to you or around you many other times that's the reason why for example even if you're going for a job interview you dress a certain way why because you want to appeal or appear to the person you want to hire you to seem like you know what you're about it's all through life. So you have to know what you're about. You have to understand what your stance is so that when you move and when you do anything, people can take note of you. One thing about that Proverbs chapter 18, the verse 24 that we read, one thing I picked from it is that if you set, set your standards high for yourself, as far as your character, how you want to conduct yourself, you're going to attract the same type of people. If you're God-fearing and you really want to know God, there's something very strange that occurs. At some point in time, you'll find yourself connecting with people who are like mine. It may not be easy because there'll be many times you may be looking for somebody to be a friend to you and you may not find that person. But the truth of the matter is that, like I said earlier, it's better not to sometimes have a friend than to have many friends who don't even know where they're going in life and who don't even know the truth about what what God intends for us. The Bible has made it very clear that light and darkness cannot dwell together. If we are believers, if we are Christians, we have to begin to examine ourselves, examine our lifestyle. You know, that word friendly means showing low moral standards in the actual transliteration. And, and it shows somebody who's not a threat to anyone. It means you don't challenge, you don't convict anyone. No one is threatened by your presence in a place. They're not convicted to change. Somebody is used to doing something bad. When you're there, they still feel okay doing the same thing. It's, 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 it's something that has to, to change. But the only way that can change is if you really examine yourself and begin to change certain things in you. You will attract the type of people that relate to your personality. So if you have very funny, if you notice all your friends look crazy, those crazy people have somehow found comfortability around you. 
And you have to ask yourself, why is it? Is it because of Christ? Or is there something wrong with me? Because they say, an old saying says, birds of a feather flock together. You can't say that you're better than your friend. No. The way you think is most likely going to attract people who think the same way you do. So you have to stop allowing your friends to choose you and begin to choose your friends based on your understanding of what your life is all about. And even if you're not a Christian, it's going to be the same. Even for people who are not Christians, the same thing still affects them. Whether you're a believer or unbeliever, it's just principle of life. You attract people that think like you. You attract people that are chasing the same thing that you are chasing. So if you're not really striving to become a better person, most likely, a lot of times, you're not going to have such people around you to motivate you because when you strive to become a better person, you begin to search for people in places that can help contribute to where you want to be in life. That's why somebody who wants to become a doctor goes to medical school. They associate with the place that they want to get. So you you have to begin to choose your friends and not let your friends choose you. You have to know what you're about. I'm not saying don't love everyone. Love everyone, but not everybody can be your friend. I, w- I want to make this clear. Love, God commands us to love. But you have to love with understanding. Don't love blindly. Love doesn't mean you just tolerate anything, anyhow. No. That's why a father who loves his son will spank the child. Because the child needs to be corrected. The child needs to be disciplined. So you in the same way, you have to understand that there are some things, number one, about yourself that need to grow, that need to mature, that need to change. And you have to make sure that you are able to even discipline yourself and put yourself in a position where you can say, okay, the kind of people that I have around me right now, how are they contributing to me becoming the person I really want to be? If they're not helping you get there, They should at least show you somebody who can help you get there. And if they can't even do that, they're most likely going to be the same people that hold you back. Because one day you will need to make a decision about yourself that will draw you away from those same people. You know, I'm sure many of you can relate to this. Not At a certain time, you realize that the people that you were very close to in your younger days, after a while, you don't speak to them anymore. Because there's a natural process of life that you grow as you are growing, your understanding is changing and your associations begin to change as a result of it. You also have some friends who you probably haven't spoken to in years, but the moment you talk to that person, everything seems to be like you never left off a single conversation, like there was never a time gap. It's most likely because that person shares something very common with you as far as your character and your nature. So I want us to just begin to think very deeply about the kind of people we have around us. I want us to begin to examine those things because it's one thing to love everyone, but you also have to be conscious that the people you call friends will be the biggest contributor to your success or your failure. Because you have friends who will encourage you to do the right thing. And then you have friends who will see that doing the right thing may not be that important. But you have, that's why you have to know yourself. Know what you're about. You have to discover what God expects of you. So that when people come around you with a whole different mindset, you can be able to know that, all right, you know what, because of what I stand for and what I believe in, as much as I love this person, I don't know if we can have that many conversations. I'm sure you've been on the phone with somebody that you didn't even know what to talk about with. It feels very awkward. There's nothing you relate with that person. Notice that it's not struggle to it's not a struggle to let that person go. But there are sometimes deeper issues inside of us. Some of us have had friends for 10 years. And in the past 10 years, we have come to know Christ. And our lifestyle has changed. But we still have the same friend. that They haven't changed. I'm not saying get rid of them. No. But be very careful how you begin to deal with people. Be careful on the kind of conversations. Because the Bible also teaches us that bad talk corrupts good seed. It means your character, which is good, can be corrupted by somebody else, somebody else's speech, who speaks from a bad character. You can, like I told you earlier, you can share character with somebody. So iron sharpens iron. 
in the same way your face is reflected in the water, it's the same way that your character is reflected in somebody else. So be very careful on how you choose your company and how you choose your friends. It's not necessary to go everywhere with everybody. I remember when I first got into college, when I graduated high school, I finally got my car. I felt like, you know what? I'm I'm a free man, free at last. <laughs> I'm going to run away from my house, get away from my parents who were getting on my nerves at the time. <laughs> and I spent so much time with friends, but these same friends were the same people who ended up putting me in trouble in many different ways. Recent, I just had a conversation with somebody today and they were telling me that um, their son was riding in a friend's car and the friend, they got pulled over by the police and the police actually found cocaine in the friend's car. So both of them got arrested. Just today, I heard um, that someone told me that. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, if he just wasn't hanging around that person, he wouldn't have to worry about this, 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 this situation. So most of our problems come through people around us that bring out the bad parts of us. So you have to be very careful and conscious about the people you spend time with, who is around you. It's okay not to have too many friends. I know it's not something we are used to hearing, but it's okay not to have a lot of friends. It's even okay if you are by yourself, you won't die. You were born by yourself, your mother didn't give birth to, unless you are a twin, maybe even twins, they fight and they grow apart sometimes. A lot of twins don't even agree. I see twins fighting more than anything. So it's okay to be by yourself. There's nothing wrong with being by yourself. If nobody is going to help you to get where you know you should be or act the way you should act and nobody's willing to correct you, it's fine to be by yourself unless you can make a difference in the people around you. But you know, one thing I've learned, people will always do what they feel they want to do. No matter how you can give them advice, if you advise a friend three times on one thing and they are still doing the same thing that you advise them against, most likely they're not ready to change. So you stop, stop, stop forcing. The best way you can even change people who you love is to become a better person yourself. Because we learn more from other people's actions. We learn more from what one another, what each person does. If I look at Kevin, if I look at Albert, and I see how he conducts himself, if I see how he keeps himself, if I see how he talks, the way he walks, I learn more from that. The people you admire, the reason you admire them is because there's something that they do that you 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 you, you love, you want to relate with. So the best way to change people for the better is to become a better person yourself. So. Focus more on becoming a better person yourself and gradually people around you will take notice. And people who want to also become better people will start to draw closer to you as well. But like I said, be conscious and careful how you pick your friends. And stop letting your friends pick you. Not everybody's supposed to be your friends. Sometimes you have a friend you haven't spoken to in a long time and you know that even if you talk to that person, nothing good is gonna come out of that conversation. But maybe you've known them for so long, so there's still an emotional attachment you have to them. You still feel connected to them. Listen, I have a policy. If you haven't called me for three years to even say hi, <laughs> I don't keep your number in my phone. Even some people, they don't, there's a six months. I give leeway at least a couple years. But I leave my line open to you. I won't block your number. But the truth of the matter is I realize that people grow apart. People grow into different directions in life. So each person, you have to understand that you are somebody unique. God has made you unique. God has made you to do something um, specific on this planet. And in order for you to discover it, you need to find out more about what he thinks about you. You know, and one of the things that happens when you when you don't have too many friends around you, when you don't have too many people around you, that's usually when you get to learn more about yourself. Because a lot of the challenge of having people around us is that we don't actually get to see ourselves through the perspective of God all the time. We're always doing things based on how people around us see things. Most of the things we do in life is because somebody said we should do it. For example, some of you, you're going to school, you're going to school. 
and doing courses because your parents told you to do those courses, not because you even wanted to do it. And it's not just in that area. It's the same way with other things. In other areas of life, you find that you start to do certain things just because your parents see things in a certain way. So you don't actually do what everybody else thinks you should. Those are things you have to be careful about. So remember, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. But like I told you, in the Bible, that word friendly in this particular verse does not mean kind. It means somebody who doesn't have much moral standard, somebody of low standard, somebody who is really good for nothing. They accommodate anything around them. They're adaptable. Uh, a thief, a robber can adapt to them. The same way they don't have, a, they, their lifestyle doesn't convict anybody. You have to bring your standard higher so that you can attract the right people around. Amen. So I don't know if there are any questions or concerns, or even if somebody disagrees with me and show your thoughts, that's fine. Somebody has a question. Okay. Uh, if, if you're not comfortable sharing your personal question, you can just, uh, I don't know if there's a way to uh, anonymously kind of let you. Okay. Somebody says, someone asked, okay. Can, can, what, well, they went away. So can you read it for me, Kevin? I don't know if you can see it. Yep, I can read it. So a question came up uh, while you were doing this, and um, it was a uh, question around relational evangelism. Um, and it says, and the person asked that, and I've heard that, I've heard this described as one of the main ways that Jesus demonstrated how we should evangelize in our everyday life. If this is so, how do we do that if we shouldn't be friends with non-believers? Okay. Notice that the disciples didn't pick Jesus to be their friend. Jesus is the one who picked them because of what he saw he could do in them. He studied their character. He studied who they are. He knew specifically the type of impact he could make in them before approaching. Even though, for example, somebody would say, oh, Judas was there. Jesus picked Judas on purpose because somebody had to betray him. Jesus didn't pick friends just for relating with them. Jesus picked the disciple, and technically, if I'm to be very honest, Jesus didn't see the disciple as disciples as his friends. Jesus didn't call all the disciples his friends. He told them, you are my friend only if you do what I say. It means Jesus himself set the standard. He didn't let his friends set the standard. Jesus said, "You, I will call you. And even Jesus wasn't just looking for friends. He was looking for people who he could call his beloved. Even if the disciples were his friends, number one, he had a standard for the type of friends he had around him. When Jesus picked the disciples, the first thing he did was make sure that he picked people that were going to be able to expand the agenda of God on earth, the purpose of God. That was number one. Number two, when, when, whenever Jesus, uh, Jesus, when he dealt with someone, he dealt with them for the purpose of making sure that they were able to fulfill their God-given purpose. Jesus had 5,000 men following him, following him at one point, and he even separated himself from them because he didn't see the need to have everyone around him. Out of the 12 disciples, there came a point where Jesus picked three out of them and shared certain things with them. And even out of the three, at the end of it, there was just one that remained with him at the cross. And that disciple was called the, one, the disciple who Jesus loved. Not that Jesus didn't love everyone, but he had a special passion for this person because he saw the heart of that person towards him. So when it comes to relational evangelism, the first thing you have to understand is yourself, number one. Jesus understood his assignment. He understood his purpose. He understood his strengths, and he understood his weaknesses if he had any. And he was very careful on how he related to people. That's why he didn't go to every city to preach just because he could. He even told the disciples, even if you were going to make disciples of other people, don't go into every city. Go to this place. Means just because you want to evangelize somebody, 
it's, it's not a platform for just opening the door for ev- to call everyone your friend. No, the truth of the matter is this. The, when we talk about friend, we're talking about somebody who's much more closer to you than, than regular. I'm not saying that if they're not a Christian and believe in Christ that they're just a bad person. No, no, no. Even many Christians are bad people themselves. But the truth of the matter is, if you say you are doing evangelism, you don't do evangelism based on friendship. You do evangelism based on understanding of God's purpose for people. So you can do evangelism, be close to people. The the truth about evangelism is not just a matter of preaching the gospel. Your lifestyle speaks to people. So if you have someone that you are uh, you are you are relating to, make sure that your lifestyle is not compromised. I'm not saying you can't have people around you that you call friends who you are trying to win to Christ. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm simply trying to say is you first have to understand if that person is not even showing a sincerity from the beginning, after many, many times, after many, many years, most likely you're not actually producing, being as fruitful as you probably should. Because there's a time where you have to begin to be honest with yourself and tell yourself that, okay, if I spoke to this person and they don't change, they're not responding to a single word I said, then most likely nothing else I'm going to do is going to speak to their heart. If they don't take what you say, the only other thing they can do is learn from what you do. They don't have to necessarily be your best friend or be so close to you to learn from what you do. Because one thing I've learned, any man who loves the truth, he will go after it and find it. God will not hide the truth from that person. Any heart that is open to the truth, that person will find it. They will not, even if they are, it takes time, God will make sure that if their heart is sincere, they will find it. And you don't necessarily have to be the person. There are many people who didn't turn to Christ because of somebody being their friend. Most of the time, people don't turn to Christ just because somebody was their friend. Some I don't know where the concept of that being the most effective evangelism comes from, but I've realized that evangelism, I mean, the concept of evangelism today is what has become. Uh, well, anyway, I won't go too much into that. It, it, it's not exactly what the scriptures necessarily say as far as our, many of our concepts today, but the truth of the matter is, I, like I said earlier, be the best person you can be. I'm not saying don't relate to people. Relate to them. Relate as far as you can relate. But when you talk about somebody being your friend, means you and that person have everything in common. You and that person really think the same. You are going to the same destination. So don't try to win somebody just because you feel you want to evangelize them so you take them as a friend unless unless you know for sure by god by the holy spirit that this god tells you to do that other than that the bible makes it clear that light and darkness cannot agree amen i don't know if anybody has something to contribute yeah thank you for that henry um i think that the reference you're going for there was john 15 14 where jesus says if you're my friend if you do what i go if you obey what i command yes um Another question came up while you were speaking from our sister Stacy, and Stacy asked a question: Is it okay to say you don't want to be friends with someone, even though it will hurt, it will, it will hurt the person? So is it okay to say to somebody, "Hey, I don't want to be friends with you," even though you know it will hurt that person? Yes, that's the straightforward answer. Yes, it is okay. You know why? <laughs> okay, I'll give you the details so you understand. All right. One thing, when 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 somebody is hurt, right? You have to put a lot of things into question. Some people, or if if okay, let's say if I have a if I'm already having a wrong mindset, if I already don't think about things in a good way, and you, you say something that hurts me. You have to ask yourself, am I hurt because of the truth or am I hurt just because of what I want to have in my life or what I want to accomplish? When you when you hurt somebody's feelings, you have to put into question their own state of thinking, their own state of reasoning. Because many times, like I said, a father will spank a child if he's misbehaving to correct that child. He, ha- he inflicts pain 
inflicts pain on the child so that the child can grow to understand what the right thing is. A lot of times we don't want to hurt other people's feelings, but the truth of the matter is that people don't even feel the right way about things as they should. Somebody doesn't even respect God. Somebody doesn't respect their fellow man. And you are concerned about hurting their feelings. Uh, a lot of times you're only putting yourself in a more awkward position. You begin to put yourself in a place where you walk on eggshells because somebody who is, is going to take an emotional stance against you because you don't want to be their friend. The first thing you have to tell that person is that number one, friendship is not by force. Friendship is not by force. You have your own life to live. Like I said, unless you were a twin, you came out the womb by yourself, but even twins come one after the other. They don't come exactly the same moment. One of them takes the lead. So if you're going to hurt somebody's feelings, it is totally okay. Sometimes that's even the best way to win them. I've learned that. Sometimes God even will allow some, look, even us, even us as believers, many a times, God will allow us to go through painful situations, but he's not doing it to destroy us. He lets us feel hurt. He lets us feel pains, but it's not for the purpose of destroying us. He's actually trying to grow, make us to grow and mature. So if you being close to somebody is going to hurt that person, that means, number one, that person was too dependent on you. They had grown too dependent on you. Or they may be emotionally connected. They may not know how to handle it, but at the end of the day, if they love the truth, they will come around eventually and they will respect your decision. Because anyone who doesn't respect your decision also doesn't respect you, the person. So it's totally fine. I'm, I'm trying not to quote a lot of scriptures because I don't want to bombard you. But at the same time, we need to understand, I repeat that scripture, light and darkness have nothing in common. Jesus, even, I mean, the Apostle Paul, even let us know, I mean, sorry, Jesus even let us know that if your right hand offends you, cut it off. Cut it off. Jesus said, even if your own eye is bothering you, pluck it out. It's okay to get rid of things around you that are not contributing to your growth and your, and your, and your development. It's okay. Let that person be hurt. Even God, the Bible says he prunes us. He strips things away from us and it hurts. But it's always for our benefit and our growth. So, you may not realize it. If somebody is going to be hurt by you being in their life, most likely you are the cause of them still being the way they are. I'll, I'll end there. Amen. Thank you for that, Henry. Um, thank you for that. Any other questions that you guys have? If the floor is open for the next couple minutes and then we'll close out. So I have a question. Um, my question is like, so what if like, you know, you you see yourself as like that type of person who kind of is that good influence to that friend, but like, you know, there's not really any, you know, in terms of like growth with that person. So like, how do you like go about as in like, you know, you know, like taking those measures, you know, thinking about yourself, you know, how do you like go to such a way to like not make it, you know, for that person to be, you know, completely hurt, but also for them to like understand. Okay. You know, this is a very delicate question. It has many, many things I could say, and I don't know if time will permit. My, um, most of what I'm saying, I'm really trying to cram it. Um, so I'm going to try to understand the question, make sure I understand it carefully. So there may be a person that is around you and you are a positive influence to that person, but it may it seems like that person is not necessarily um, changing or responding to that. And I think that was the first part of the question. And then you also were trying to find out how do you go about trying to disconnect without, uh, I guess, causing hurt to the person? I don't know if I got it right. Or more so, like, without, like, offending the person, without having them, like, there being, like, some bad, you know, like, tension, you know, like, how, how do you just, like, part ways just, like, calmly, just, like, you know. Okay. Sometimes there's no other way to do it. I'll be very honest with or you. Or even Sometimes. just, like, distancing, you know, like, a good distance. 
Okay. Um, there are many scenarios that can be applied to this. You may have a situation where maybe somebody is not changing uh, based on your influence. And I don't know how deep your connection with this person may be. Some people are in relationships that they want to get out of, for example. Some people, they just have regular friendships and the scenario applies. Now, I don't know specifically how close you are to this person, but one thing I will say is that, number one, like kind of like what I said in the previous uh, question, is that anyone who doesn't respect your decision also doesn't respect you, the person. And that's most likely why they are not even responding to your influence in the first place. And um, I know it may sound a little bit—I know it may sound a little bit uh, harsh for me to put it this way—but I wanted to give—I want to give it to you as firmly as possible. I'm not saying we uh, rule everybody out of your life. That's not—I want to make sure that's clear. But also, what I'm trying to say is, you have to take time and analyze. Okay, if I'm trying to help this person become better, and they're not changing. The first thing you have to realize is that it's not your, you don't have the responsibility of making anybody change. Change is left to the individual. Nobody makes anybody to change. I think that's one thing I have to make very clear. Because it's, since your question was kind of similar to the last one, no, you don't make anybody change. People choose to change themselves. So if somebody is not changing, it's a choice they have taken. It's a stand they have taken. So you have to realize that you can't make them change. And if you want to disconnect, like I said, the disconnecting part, I don't know how deep your relationship is with this person as far as friendship or whatever it is. But the bottom line will be that you have to make sure you know your stand first and be willing to take a stand and not worry about the consequences at times. If you know it's the right thing to do. You know, when you are afraid to offend people, you're not going to be able to even... That's a sign that you're not even probably going to be able to have the type of relationship or friendship you would have liked with the person anyway. So the, bottom, the truth of the matter is that it's if you don't want to offend a person, the best thing to do is to be transparent and honest. There's no other way about it. Because it's better to... You know, what happens is... You, in your heart, you'll start to think that this person is not even serious. This person is not even changing. They're not taking what I say. And at the same time, they're not trying to be a better person. And you still keep them around without them knowing your true intent in your heart and what you really want to do and maintain that relationship. The first thing you should do is just to be honest with yourself is to is to correct yourself first and tell yourself that I'm not being a benefit to this person. I'm not helping them. They're not changing. So number one, I need to take some steps back and analyze myself. Number two, tell if you don't want to hurt their feelings, just tell them, I need time for myself, to work on myself. I need to build myself. I need to try. I need to, to, to make myself a better person. So you may not be hearing from me for a little while. If they don't respect that, like I said, they don't respect you. I know that this may be hard to accept and grasp, but anyone who is against you being a better version of you doesn't love you. They don't care about the way you may care about them. I have to be honest and straight. Because I know if I'm not, some people will not make certain decisions or stands as they should. So the best way to do it, if you don't want to tell the person they are the problem, tell them you are the problem. <laughs> because it's a two-way thing. And say, I need time for myself to focus on myself, build myself. So I'm not going to be talking to people for a little while. I'm not, I'm not angry at anybody. I just need time for myself. And you have the choice of answering the phone or not. If that person know where you live and they keep popping at your house, you can tell them you are busy. Please uh, deal with them later. I don't know if anybody else has something to contribute. Thank you for that. Um, thank you all for asking these questions. I know we're a little bit over our time, but I think it was important for us to, you know, spend some time in, in, in asking these these very important questions. Um, Thank you, Stephen. Um, Stephen says, you know, this changed my perspective on making friends. So thank you, Henry. God, God bless you for that. And God allowing, God, God, God using you for that. Um, one thing that I think just, just add really quickly on this, and we'll, and then we'll pray and close out, is that 
we need to be able to understand that we are not the ones who save. Um, I think there's this one song goes like, don't save them. She don't want to be saved, right? That's literally the, like, what Christians need to understand. Don't save them. Like, like we are not the ones who save. We are only ones who give the word. And we need to, and if you guys take this home with you, Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 to 26, telling us that, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patient, enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Right, so we share. Your job is you just give them the word. Um, some years ago, my my auntie basically shared the same thing with me when I was trying to figure out how can I teach other people, how can I share with the JY. I see that there's some folks who are struggling in some areas, and they keep doing things over and over and over again, right? And it's disheartening because I was I was I was having the mindset that man, I'm the one that's responsible for these guys. I'm the one that's supposed to change them, but I can't change anybody. I really can't. All I can do is give you the word and pray that the Holy Spirit will do his work. And if you are one that he is called to be with him, he will. Right. So a lot of times we like to think we like to become God to other people. We have to understand that we cannot be God to other people. We can only be God's servants. And if God has chosen to select that person, um, then God will do that work. Right. But we got to understand that we live in this culture now that's like, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to make people feel this in this way. When you guys read through the Bible, you see that the Bible is beautifully offensive. I'll use that term again. The Bible is beautifully offensive. And there are some things that you'll see in there like, dang, God, really? Right? Um, Yeah, the Bible is is, is beautifully offensive. So don't be afraid to offend. I'd rather have that person be offended and have their life saved than to to play nice with them and for them never to come to the truth about knowing knowing about Jesus Christ. When you make friends, your friends should know your position. If they know your position and they still hang around you, then that means that they're probably, you know, there's something in them that God is going to use you to, to, to possibly change them. Because, but a lot of times, I think we go into our friendships where we don't tell these people who we are. We low, they low key don't even know that we go to that, that we're Christians. They low key don't even know that we serve the Lord, right? Because we've been playing friends, we've been playing nice, nice with them, and then down the road we spring it off on them. We're like, hey, by the way, I'm a Christian. Want to go to church? Right? And then we've been friends with them five years And they're like, what? I never knew This is a secret to me right? That should never be the case Whoever your friend is needs to know right then and there At the beginning of that friendship Where you stand with the Lord And if they decide to still hang around Then perhaps they're, they're there And they want to learn something There's a part of them that wants to learn And a part of them wants to come to Christ And they just don't even know it yet right? So I think that that's that, that's that key part Establishing that, hey, I can't change this person I can only give them the word. I can only be a light to them. But God is the one that's going to do that changing down the road if, if he decides to. Okay? So I'll stop there. If there are any other questions, you guys can just put it in there. Um, Henry, thank you always so much for just being with us. Um, we're always grateful. I always learn a lot. I took down a whole bunch of notes, and I'm sure that you guys did as well. Um, you know, the type of friends that you have is a reflection of so, you know, in life, we're not at the driver's seat of our life. We're actually in the passenger seat. And whoever your friends are are in that driver's seat. And if you don't, have, and if you don't have the right friends, they're gonna run you down. <laughs> they're gonna run you into that an accident, right? So be able to make sure that you ask God to give you that knowledge to, to, to discern the right people to have in your group. Okay. So, with that, um, who would like to close us out in prayer? Or I guess before then, Nikia, do we have any any announcements? I'll be coming to you from now on for announcements, Nikia. Um, no, I don't have any announcements. No. Okay. Cool. So with that, um, who would like to close us out today? Actually, maybe. Okay. Um. Maybe I should close this out for today. It's been a little while. I'll close this for today. Let's pray, guys. Just pray and commit yourselves in the hands of the Lord, um, thanking God for all that He's done today, allowing us to gather. We're all still here, and it's been a blessing. Just thank God for that. 
God, thank you so much for just allowing us to be here. To be able to serve you, Lord God. To be by your side. And now let's pray that this word that, that, that we've heard today will not fall by the wayside, will not fall on the rock, but will, will, will be with us throughout, not just the rest of the week, but the rest of our lives to really help us guide and make the right decisions on who to, who to pick and who to have in our lives and for God to bring the right people. God, we pray for all those people who are friends and just be able to help them to bring the right folks in our lives. Let me just pray that God helps you to reevaluate your friends, like assess who, who do you call a friend, what type of impact does that person have on you, right? Is it a positive one? Is it a negative one? Um, and go from there and have God help you make the right decision concerning that relationship. Lastly, I want us to pray for the entire world, um, everything that's going on, people dealing with sickness, people dealing with emotional trauma, people dealing with a lot of damage. Just pray for them, that God will be, that, that God will use his people to show love upon them and that they will come to know the Lord himself. So we pray for those who are sick right now, those who've gone through the coronavirus, those who've lost their lives. Please be with the Lord. Them. All that you do, we're so grateful. And thank you. We're done. All right, let us bring our prayers to a close. Father God, thank you so much for all that you've done, keeping us here today, bringing us together. God, it's been such a blessing to fellowship with your people. You get to know each and every single person in here, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit has been with us and watched over us and cared for us. I thank you for the life of our brother Henry. Continue to use him in all that you want, you desire for him to do. Help us be able to come to a closer understanding and, a, and a knowledge of you, Lord. God, everything that we are, all that we do, help us. Forgive us of our sins, Lord, the mistakes that we've made, and help us be able to just continue driving forward, not looking behind, but looking forward helping us to be able to have the right friends together as, as we go along. I'll let your joy and peace be upon your people. Let your love be upon your people. And thank you, Lord God. Help us as we continue to try to help your people. As you said that we are not the healers. We are not the reconcilers. We are sinful, broken people trying to show off the glory of God to other people who need the care just as much as we do. So God help us be able to bestow that care upon others and show your love to each and every single person. Let all know who, who we come across, that they are loved by you, that they are cared for by you. May they come to understand your wrath. May they come to understand your love. And may they come to understand your grace and your mercy, that mercy that you give to them, that when they call upon your name, Lord God, they too may be saved, and that they accept you and they call you into their lives for you to come and change their lives, Lord God, and turn them to look more like your son as you do that for us as well. I pray that for everybody on this line, Lord, and everybody that, that needs your help, be with them. Those who are calling out to you, God, answer them. Bring newness and freshness into their lives and let them know that they are loved by you all their lives. We thank you and love you. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. I want to leave you guys with a quick song that's really been hitting on my heart for the past couple of weeks now. Um, hang on to it for all of July, all of August, and it's Psalm chapter 20. And it's basically like a little benediction, honestly. And it goes as, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard your favor with burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation 
and in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from the holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. Our Lord save the King. May he answer us when we call. Amen. We share the grace. We can all go on mute. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the Holy Spirit be with us now thank you thanks Terry God bless you bye bye guys thank you bye guys <laughs>